0: Welcome to the Radical Lifestyle Podcast brought to you by Generation to Generation where you will be inspired by the past, equipped for the present and prepared for the future as we engage in conversations with people from around the world. Hello everyone, this is Andrew and Daphne from Generation to Generation and our guests today are Ricky and Joanne Bain. Um, Now for people that don't know who you are, can you just say a bit about where you're from and what you do?
1: I hey, am well, hey, um, Ricky, obviously. Hey, we're from Afford. Hey, in England, you'll call it Alford, but it's in Scottish dialect, it's Afford, Aberdeenshire. And we basically are looking to church uh, plant a church in Afford.
2: And you have family?
3: Yeah, that's I'll I'll kick in with that lot. That's yep. the that's the Ricky is to the point, and gives details. I am very much more the storyteller. Um, so I'm Joanne and I'm Ricky's wife and we have five children together four girls and one boy and we've lived in Africa now for 10 years 11. almost 11. (laughs) oh wow almost
0: 11. it's not often that you get the mail correcting the the lady with the details and dates (laughs) and stuff that's quite impressive
2: that's impressive
3: Um, um
0: and then for people that listen to this do you have a website if they want to go and check out what you're doing
3: we are in we're currently in transition from doing one um website because we were all about youth um and God's moved us on. So we're in transition from that. Okay. Um but you can find us um on Facebook under Afric Youth Cafe. A lot of our information is there. Um but yeah, we're still okay. in transition. Well, well
0: I'll we'll put do. I'll put whatever links there are at the minute in the description box, and then okay. when a website's up and running, you can do send that. that to me, and I'll yeah, add that, that to the please. description. So yeah. if you're listening, you want to go check out what they're doing; there'll be links in the description box. Yeah. Yes.
2: So let's let's go on a journey. Take us back a bit to um, as far as you want to go, as to what set you off on the journeys that you're in. I think there's two things where. We think we're looking at it at the minute. We'll touch on the book that you have written. And I really want to know what Ricky's take is on men in the church. Because we haven't had anybody speaking on that, have we yet?
0: No, uh, normally men in the church is kind of just a sort of a given subject. It's normally people wanting to talk about the role of women in the church. So this yeah, is a bit different.
2: That is true. It is normally. So um, how are we going to do this? Let's talk about how you met and um, about your family life first, because that will probably lead us a bit into the
3: book, and then we'll go
2: on to Ricky.
3: Yeah, should I do that bit? Tell the story. <laughs> and then Ricky can pick up. So we met um, in 1995. Five, six. Six. <laughs> 1996, I had moved down to Aberdeen. I used to live up north um, in a place called Tain. So I moved down to be a student nurse and um, I was saved and grew up in the Church of Scotland, came to the, the bright light city of Aberdeen and just had a great time and met Ricky in a nightclub actually. Um, I knew have a little bit of a past where God was always kind of in the grain in your life but you never ever went to church you searched and um, you obviously you've had some tragedy as well but and obviously I was very much a woman of faith or a young girl of faith but kind of bumped a little bit when I came to Aberdeen and um, it was a bit wild as student nurses can be and um, and then we kind of went on this journey. We met and married within nine months. And um, we, we had a very profound connection that we just knew we had found our soul partners. And um, that transported us on a journey. I would say the first five years were really hard. We were very broken people that God um, had brought together. And we worked through some obstacles. Um, and that's all in my book as well. If you want to know more about that. Um, and Ricky we had our first daughter Katie in 1998 and you were around about that time you'd started coming to church with me and um I had was newly um the fire was back and my passion for Jesus and living a life and even more so to be a good wife and a good mother it was it, w- it was the driving force my faith And who Jesus was, was the driving force behind that. Um, And you were challenged in church by a man one day um, and said to you, so how's your heart with the Lord, Ricky? And so I watched Ricky transform, really grasp hold of the power of who Jesus was, what he had done for him, and then struggle probably for a huge part of our Early married life, trying to find a space within church. Would you
2: say that? Yeah, yeah. So, can you take us on a bit of that struggle, Ricky? What What did that struggle look like?
1: Well, the struggle—I is I suppose uh, your own identity, who you are, and the the, the environment you grew up in, as well as a big factor. But I grew up in the, the Orkney, which is the top of Scotland, and it's uh, it was in in the late seventies, early eighties, so. At that time, the household was probably more male dominated. So your cultural household kind of determines who you are. My mum and dad were never, they didn't believe in uh, or didn't go to church, etc. So I grew up just being a typical lad, you know, I like my sport and all that stuff. And uh, But my granny, she gave me my first Bible when I was about 10 or 11. And I went to Boys Brigade and it was there, I saw this, this guy who led the Boys Brigade. And I think men like to mentor or follow something. So this guy lived his life and went his, to went his home after boys Brigade on a Friday. and That's when we started speaking about this, this Jesus, you know, and we started singing worship songs and I loved it and something in my heart uh, triggered. I didn't know it was the Holy Spirit at the time, obviously, but I felt something stirring in my heart at a young age. But I left island at 17 and like Joanne said, I, I just didn't think about it then, got involved with drinking culture, etc., which is evident everywhere, mainly in Scotland, of course, and Obviously, oh, studied my sport, you know. I did chase the girls, etc., and all that stuff. So I didn't really really think about it. It's only when, when my mum died. I was about twenty two, twenty three. She died in my arms from a heart attack, and mm. I think after that, something. Obviously, you think is this it? Is this is that a life over? And you know, I've experienced the death of my brother not long after that, and also my dad. So you've kind of been hit with tragedy, but given my life at the age of twenty nine, you know, it's. Uh, it's it, it was a real life encounter like Joanne said th- th- this guy had to turn around to me and speak like a bloke to me he had to say and how how, are, how is your heart with God and I'm thinking wait a second but I took it from him because I knew what, what, what the intentions were but I've I've struggled in the whole culture of church because I've struggled often even with the worship songs etc and I think you go back to years ago when they were mainly old hymns when they were like I, I spoke about you Jesus said to his disciples come follow me and I think that's what most men do, they follow something, whether it's tribal, whether it's football or rugby, they're in the crowds, it's it's, it's the wording of the chants. And uh, I know as a Christian, I've grown up, I am a compassionate male, I have a sensitive side, don't get me wrong, but I really, I really love the old kind of hymns when you could sing your hearts out to something. I think Christianity, in some ways, to me, the music's become too boyfriendish. And I, I don't mean that in a derogatory way, but I think for the for the working man and most men that go to church tend to be professional men. Eighty uh, percent, the reckon, are, gr- are graduates. And I didn't grow up like that. I'm just a a normal guy, probably like maybe Jesus' disciples, just a fisherman. I thought, if you pardon the pun, that's who I am. I'm just a normal working man, and to me, Jesus was a carp was a carpenter. And we've oft, I think, we've lost that of who he was at the time. You know, so the language we use as well for men, it's like we don't talk like that normally. It's just. Jesus spoke to the farmers about planting and seeds. He spoke to the fishermen about fish. And I think for, for the catch of a man's heart, just talk to him like a man, like that guy did to me that day. He just spoke to me like a bloke to bloke. And I think we've lost it. And men, we're talking now for men, the mental health issues, is because we don't know how to communicate properly. And as you, as you said at the start, well, this, this lady here can talk. And sometimes I let a talk. So I think, well, I'll just let a talk. I'll just be quiet in the background. But too many men have become passive in the churches. They've become, uh, they've lost that the line of Judah Roar. And I think men have to take their place again. Hmm.
2: Hmm.
1: And there's more to that. But that, that's really the kind of dynamics of it all. And I, I did work for Christian Vision for men who were like, they were a immense a, a, a kind of movement in, in England and Scotland. I tried to I tried to start at, up here where they go around churches and create groups, but quickly realized there is no men's groups up here. So how can you you grow something when the men are not even there? And the ones that are there weren't interested in what you're trying to do because they were all about, which is right, the circle, open the Bible up, which is so important, and dissect every word. But a lot of guys like me just don't want to do that. We want to live. We want to live our faith. It's okay to read it, which is brilliant, but I want to live it out and men men want risk they want adventure so I think the church has to offer that again like the boys brigade in the 1980s because there was no health and safety then now, now it's all risk that's we've it's, it's become so risk averse it's, and it's not just the workplaces it's the churches as well we're, we're not willing to take a risk anymore
0: yeah we um I know that often when we travel people if we leave uh, people you know saying your goodbyes and they'll say uh you know, safe travels or whatever, be careful. And we're like, be careful? What are you talking about? Where's, <laughs> where does where's the Bible tell us to be careful?
2: <laughs> then we talk about raising our kids. One of the biggest things that parents say is, be careful, be careful. Yeah. And we say, be careful isn't in the Bible. Yeah. Be wise and be bold yes. are in the Bible. Bold, but, yeah. yeah. But not with wisdom, but it is no, be careful. Yeah. In it, Joe. When you're talking, it reminds me of um, a podcast we had recently of a, a group that started with a few men cycling from Tennessee to Florida. Wow! Um, and they just started. They one of them just had this ambition. A few of them did it, and it is now massive. All these men cycling from Tennessee to florida and it has become something where the men learn about themselves where they're talking to each other i mean it's at heart i think most of them are christians but not all of them by any means Mm -hmm. and the families meet them the other end and you see them with their bikes in the air you know we've achieved this and and i think that's the sort of thing you're probably talking about am i right
1: yeah it is in fact when i was when my faith wasn't flagging, but I was getting disillusioned with the church, and so this kind of uh, kind of event came up, and it was in the, it was in the Perthshire Hills, and it was for four days, three nights, and it was run by the, they called the Fourth Musketeer Movement, but they are a Christian movement, and it was basically you turned up and you had you had your rucksack, but you had to take off all your gadgets, your your watch, your everything had to take off, no communication, and uh, you're set. You're putting the groups of ten and then they paired off for a guy to share a tent with, and it was freezing, and you had, like, kind of powder powder food. It wasn't proper food for the first half, and you think, what am I doing here? <laughs> but you know what? The way they set it up, it was all brilliantly done. You walked so far, then there was a station, and this boy would speak about... The first guy spoke about the father's heart, and he spoke about he, his, his dad didn't show him the love of a father. And lot, <laughs> I guess still get emotional about it, because that's what every man cries out for. It's the father's heart. They call to call your heavenly father, you're, you're my father, I'm your son, you're not an orphan. And so over that time, there's different talks about addictions, whether it's pornography, gambling, and the church has become so safe, they don't even speak about that. We have to talk about these things because Joanne said it she's it on the nail. The reason the men are not moving in church is because they're living in shame. And we have to speak it out, guys. You know, we have to rise up with me men again, but we're stuck in our shame, a lot of us. Not being been there. So I think you're right, and men just hunger for adventure. And that three, four days, I came back, a changed man, and Joanne loved it. She said, it didn't last long, you said, but she loved <laughs> I <mean>, when <laughs> the first came back because the, the experience was there. But see, see in the morning of it, the Sunday morning on the hillside in Lochtea, it was absolutely stunning. We did church outside, and the sun was coming up, and you could feel the warmth in your face. And you could feel the spirit stirring amongst the guys. But when the question was asked, how many guys should go to church? 150 hands were up. And he said, guys, I'm going to ask the next question. And this is not judgment. How many of you willingly go to church? Only three hands were up. So unless we speak about this and just carry on, turn up the church out of duty. You know, I just
0: feel, oh, there's
1: got to be something better than what we're doing
2: yeah, it reminds me of when you went to Colorado.
0: Yeah, I mean, I guess it's, you're creating a wilderness experience, yeah. and mm. uh, which I think all of us need. Uh, yeah. I mean, even Jesus withdrew to the yeah. wilderness, and, yeah. uh, you know, you strip away all this stuff that's going on in life, all the noise, the entertainment, um, and you put yourself in a situation where it, it's you, and him and that's that yeah. uh, to, to really draw close to him and seek his face and it can be really easy just to get consumed by everything that's going on in the world and, and, and one kind of just forget that you need those times but also those times are not really that comfortable yeah. Um, yeah. and so who wants to sort of proactively put themselves in that position where you're withdrawing from all this stuff that feels yeah. good that you that you like maybe not all of it i mean the news and stuff like that is not necessarily feel great um but but we all need to be better at putting ourselves in those situations where we withdraw to the wilderness um and i can't think what the scripture is off the top of my head but how um uh, it talks about how israel was going through the wilderness and uh, it talks about how um, Jesus spoke tenderly to her. And uh, it's like, wow, this is so, so interesting that normally, if you want to talk tenderly, let's say to your wife or something like that, you would go to a nice restaurant, uh, kind of wine and dine, uh, and you speak tenderly. But here it's talking about him doing it in the wilderness. Yeah. yeah. So in those uncomfortable places here. Now you're here. Let me speak tenderly to you.
2: Yeah.
3: I think that's what the pandemic has created in the church, a wilderness experience where um, God has allowed a wilderness experience for the entire body of Christ, where we all comforts have been removed from us. Everything that is our go-to to make us feel better about us even standing in worship corporately you know, it makes you feel better about life and I can, you know, I can get on with it. You know, the comfort that we go to um but he's wanting it, he wants us stripped back. And it's he's bringing us as individuals. He's dealing with his body first, the body of Christ, which is us, then to go build. What have we learned in our wilderness experience? What have we learnt through the pandemic? What have we? It's why we couldn't believe when God was starting to say it's time to start building the church in the middle of a pandemic. You know, you're, you're really having to push in to the voice. Of God to really make sure you're hearing correctly. Um, and I think that's what, what Ricky went through when he went to the men's thing, stripped everything away. But what it did was awaken on the inside that Lion and Judah roar on Ricky was there must be more than this for the men of Scotland. There must be more than just, I'm, I'm going to church because it's the right thing to do, it's the right thing for my children, it's the right thing for my wife. You know, there's more into the men. Um, there's so much more with Ricky fully um, alive and awake in his identity. I get to be fully alive and awake in mine. You know, there, it brings the right balance of almost right back to the Garden of Eden where we walked in in unity with with God, um, where it was designed to be before you know the doubts and the blaming. You know, we were designed to walk together. Um, but, yeah, that's mm. what we kind of thought from the pandemics. What we've learned is the wilderness that we've been all thrown into. So
2: mm. why do you think this has come about? Is it because we have formulated an idea of church Um, And worldwide, I mean, we've been to over 40 nations, right? So it's it's a worldwide thing. This isn't a Scottish or English thing or a Great Britain thing. I'll just throw that in. Yes, Um. it is
3: worldwide. We're all in it. So,
2: So, you know, where we have formulated a form of worship and a form of being church, um, that, that... I would say probably in the West is very stereotyped, more than probably in the East, although it is also there. Do you think it's because we've sunk into that and think that this is the way to do it? And if so, what
3: what is going to get us out of it? I think exactly that. I think it's um, we have sunk back into comfort. We've sunk back up into programmes and been comfortable with, reaching the loss by running an alpha but you can't run an alpha if you don't have a relationship with the people if you don't know who the people are that you're you know it's it's about getting back into communities it's about loving your neighbor as yourself if you don't love yourself you can't love your neighbor you know we've met somewhere along the line we've used church and I'm comfortable I'm in it I'm in with all these people I have food you know but it's all about looking inward I think God's caused us to look up and go, where are you? And we can look for all the answers. We can look at the government, what's happening with the pandemic. If you go to politics or you go anywhere else other than the Holy Spirit right now, you're going to miss what he's doing. You're going to miss that still, small voice in the wilderness as he tenderly meets you and what's, what he's doing next for his church.
2: Yeah, you, you said you we've sunk back into comfort, yeah. but it seems to me that, Ricky, it isn't comfort
1: it's a false comfort it, <laughs> Yes, it, it is a false co- comfort but I'm just saying that I think as Joanne's talking about people went to church you know Something's out of duty it was Sunday we're just going to church but church to me is that we are we are the church with the living stones you know Jesus is the cornerstone with the living stones and I only really believe that you know we're trying to do like a house church at the moment I don't know where it'll take us but we're we're around the table we're, we're in, more intimate we're face to face like you know like the Lord was with his disciples People are craving for face-to-face and even now this is, we're on Zoom, I'm not the most Zoom fan because it's a great tool at the moment for what we're doing but people cry out for a, just that real relationship that you can hug somebody, you can, and the world at the moment has become, will become so isolated and some people are getting comfort out of isolation if that makes sense and I really believe that for men as well, that the, that's the biggest thing that you know, I, I know like even Joanne's dad, her mum's saved in the kingdom, her dad's not, but you couldn't meet a more godly man in your life. He's got the right attributes, but he just won't come to church. So, like mm-hmm. the lost sheep scenario, you have to go out to them or or, or, or the fishing that well somebody prophesied the other day that where are the I'm an evangelist at heart, where are the evangelists? Because our, our church is churches are saturated with teachers and pastors. And we've become overfed, we've become overfed. That's a comfort. And we want more feeding. No, no. Time then now's the time you come, you get fed, and you give out. You come like the Holy Spirit, you receive the Holy Spirit, you get full up and you give out. But we'll become obese in the West, the church has.
0: Mm. Yeah. We often talk a bit about this, especially in regards to missions. Mm-hmm. Um you know we go to certain countries especially unreached persecuted nations and they don't have many churches maybe they don't have any churches they just have house house groups meeting around cities and you see this rapid growth going on um, but then you go to places where you've got a church on every corner and hardly anyone's doing anything it seems um, and uh, it's so like we, we would probably be way better off if we took of the churches out of these um, heavily church populated places and and transplanting them into some of these other countries Um, and you know you talk about um, I guess for for men there are often you see them going with their wives the wives are really pushing it um, the prayer meetings a lot of the women that are there and I guess in using sort of a term which has been thrown around in the last couple of years i guess for a lot of these men the church has not been essential Uh, it's something that they go to because someone else close to them is is sort of dragging them along so to speak Uh, but now in the last two years you've even had the church saying we're not essential um and going along with with what governments have been saying no only essential places can be doing things shut the church down and pastors across the, the country is going you're right we're not essential we'll shut down and so it actually kind of reinforces the whole message that a lot of these people have had and then even spreads it to other people as well and it'll be interesting when we can all start getting back together again or um i know in england we have been able to for a long time but We've got a neck um on. But it'll be interesting to see who come, who does come back, because the 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 message that we have all been given is we're not essential. Then why, why do I bother coming back anyway?
1: Yeah, that comes down to it shows you what your relationship is. Is your relationship just about the Sunday, or is your relationship every every day with your heavenly Father? That's when you see it. Mm-hmm. It's away, It's away from the building where the action really happens. You come on a Sunday to. Have community with your congregation, whatever. But the reality is, your life most of your life is outside. So whatever you're doing outside reflects your worship. I would say on the Sunday, you know.
2: Yeah, yeah. Going, going, uh, focusing again on this that the men. Um, I once thought to do, but I've never done. Probably won't do. To have a video of men at a football match. Yes. and then have a video of men in the worship in church and right. the difference is like
1: I know that because I'm, I'm a football fan as well so I know I, was, I get that
3: it was one of the things early on in our marriage when I would when you first started coming I used to say I don't understand. Why men are screaming and cheering, and well, Ricky said it earlier on. Why? Because men like to follow something. When they're passionate about something, they want to follow it. And um, I say, I don't understand. the The football stadiums are full of men roaring, but they're they're they can't engage in worship. Why is that? And Ricky touched on that earlier. You know, um, and he talked about the songs. It's really hard. For a man, how a woman engages, you know, who Jesus is to me is completely different. Who Jesus is to Ricky, his relationship, our relationships are different and how I communicate with them and how Ricky communicates with them is very different. And so I challenged Ricky actually just recently because he still goes on about the worship songs and I'm a worshiper at heart. I, you know, my favorite way to communicate with God is through worship. It's If I'm having a bad day, I am worshiping through it. So I challenged Ricky recently to say, write me a song. Tell me who Jesus is to you. Tell me the words and we'll put it to music. You know, like what are the, you know, and it's that lion that's awakened on the inside, put it to words, you know, so that men can connect with something and go, because my dad's going, I want to believe in God, but I don't see it. That's not what I want to be. I don't want to be that. So, when we're asking, Dad, why don't you come to church? Because I have amazing conversations. He, believe. he believes in God. He knows what Jesus did for him, but he looks and thinks, I don't want to come to church. We have to take note of that. We have to go, what? Yeah, I like what
2: the, the, that you said, tell me, let, let's, tell me the words, let's, let's put it there, because I think we can, in inverted commas, complain about what's there, but have no alternative and no positive. And I think people can't necessarily identify with what could be changed unless they can see the change. Yes. That's it.
0: Yeah, and I think there's a lot lot of people who are really disillusioned with church. And so I know you've had conversations with uh, some people recently and you would talk to them and say, and, and they don't go to church, and um, she would say, you know, "How are you doing with your uh, with Jesus?" And their response would be, "Well, I don't, I don't go to church anymore." And she'll go, "That's not what I asked you. Hello, I asked you, yeah. how are you doing with Jesus?" And yeah. we mm-hmm. seem to think that just because someone doesn't go to a church, then therefore that means they don't have a faith in Jesus anymore. Yeah. But there is this disillusionment. around and so we need to figure out you know how are we engaging with those people that are disillusioned with what they see as church um and i mean you guys doing the the house church is one way that we can do this um but there was also a word that you used just a second ago which was passion Mm -hmm. and which is huge and again it's something that we often talk about in relation to parents passing on to their children yeah. Um, because parents should be the primary disciples of their kids yes. Absolutely. but yeah this is 100%. something that's not happening and uh worldwide and in fact churches but by the way that we do things proactively disempower parents mm-hmm. but um we we talk about this and we say to them would you want to say No, Um, I'm I'm just. (laughs) Yeah, you getting that look, (laughs) are (laughs) you? Well, I know that this is a a hot topic. So, um, you know, we say why are parents not passing on to their kids, and uh, ultimately, we say, look, this really, at the end of the day, comes down to passion, and we we are ultimately more passionate about other things. Uh, Because you'll see parents passing on education to the kids. You see them passing on sport to the kids. Mm -hmm. You see them passing on all these other things. But yet when it comes to a faith, uh, a love for Jesus, it's not happening. And so we say, you know, actually, because this in in, um, uh, talking about discipleship, we say, actually, we all know how to disciple. Everyone does. We disciple in what we're passionate about. And so Mm -hmm. we say the problem isn't that we don't know how to disciple is the problem that we've lost our first love we've lost our passion for jesus mm-hmm. yeah. um and so how do we get that back and so you you mentioning that word passion is a massive piece uh, to this whole this whole thing
1: it it's a, well it's like my son he's 14 coming on new, and like a lot of young lads he likes his xbox game and all that stuff and you trying to speak to him, father to son, about faith and all that stuff. And I just said to him, he was doing this gun game or something. And I said, Samuel, do you know that Jesus was armed and dangerous? And he looked at me as if to say, "What?" I said, "He was armed and dangerous, boy." And that's what I'm saying that you talk to a young lad like that; they look at you as if to say, "Who is he?" So to me, like Jowans is a separate Jesus. Uh, is the King of Kings. Uh, he's he is uh, majestic. He's glorious. And CS Lewis even said that. You know, in the line the Witch, and the wardrobe, if I if I had made Aslan a, a lamb, half the boys wouldn't have read it. But because I made him this majestic lion, mm-hmm. that's what I'm trying to see in it, young lads. What what your know, young boys like action movies? It's you're trying to make the the journey of Christianity exciting that you, you're able to roar. Like Joanne said, I'm I'm, I'm guilty of it as well. That often the football games, I'll be first to say, "Come on, ref, or, or shout about something, but. Am I like that for Jesus? I'm not all the time, but I do have a passion. And that's what I learned when I first, somebody said to me, Ricky, you you should, you ever think about preaching? I think, oh, no, 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 I'm not preaching. Mm -hmm. He says, why? Because I thought I had to be this certain steps to go through to be able to to speak to a crowd. And I go, Ricky, you're you're rough edged, which you always will be. You're a rough diamond, but I I own it. But you said you've got got something that people like to hear. You've got a passion. Passion being polished every time, you know?
2: Absolutely. Well, you have to just stop and think what, when we see Jesus face to face for oh. the first time, what will we see? We will see him riding on a white horse leading Amen. all the armies of heaven. Amen. That, that's what we're going to see. Mm-hmm. Um, he's coming as the lion of the tribe of Judah. So the first time we set eyes on him, it will be in that setting,
3: I believe. Absolutely. Yeah, um, and I think we need some, I, you know, my challenge is still Ricky to write these songs um, of the challenge is shifting, you know, from like, that is what we're going to see. That is, that is, we're living here on earth, but we're living for eternity. You know, our goal is eternity. The prize is eternity. So that's, that's our focus. So living here, I, you know, I, I, creating that passion to live for that but my job right now on earth was to raise five children to instill in them the passion and plant the seeds like one of my you'll read it in my book I you know the mother's heart if I do nothing else in my time here on earth raising those five children are my greatest achievement like nothing else compares I grew in my journey with with the Lord and the love And the challenges faced on a daily basis of raising a mini army allowed me to, you know, move in the Holy Spirit on all levels because I've got all ages of kids and you are needing to be so tuned in to know exactly what God is saying to raise these children To give them choices, one of my famous sayings to them was, "Make good choices." I never told them to be careful when they left the house. I told them to make good choices, but they always knew when they came home with their bad choice. It was a safe place to discuss this bad choice, you know. And it was there were conversations were had. I didn't just. It's not just do not have sex before marriage, because the Bible says that. I want you to know that you have got hormones rushing through your body. There is a reason why you don't have sex for marriage If you breaking down the barriers between church and the world from growing up if you're just telling people if you're just telling your teenagers not to have sex because the bible says it when when they fall where do they go they've got shame they've told me not to do it i can't go and tell we're locking them into lies whereas if you're open about right well you've got hormones you know it's about giving a brief insight into parenting teenagers you know and how the holy spirit is your absolute weapon of choice when you are raising them and bringing them up and instilling passion in them so that they go and they've got a firm foundation that they can make their choices for their life on that there is a plan for them that only god has for them
2: Hmm. i think a lot of what you're saying ricky goes wider than men. I think I think it definitely focuses for men. But I know when Andrew went to um, Colorado to an, a men's retreat there. Um,
0: it was Wild at Heart wild for people, at people that have read the book. Oh, John yeah. yeah, so I went to one of the Wild at Heart retreats. Yeah. Yeah.
2: So he came back and I thought, huh, wonder what there is for women.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, this is funny.
2: And, yeah, there was one for women, and it was called Ransomed Femininity. <laughs> I thought, I want to go to Wild at Heart. I don't know yeah. that I want to go to Ransomed. Ransomed Femininity. Now, there are many women that would want to do that. I'm sure the
0: book's very good.
2: To. Yeah. That's a, I just didn't want to do a weekend <laughs> called that. I'm sure there are many women who do, and I, and I have a dear friend, and she is very much about... You know the, the femininity of women and wearing high-heeled shoes, and I don't know what they do because I've never been. But I really respect that. But I think there are some women too that go. You know what? I want to be on the on the Wild at Heart weekend. I I want to be. I want this as well, mm-hmm. and that isn't distracting from what you say, as men needing it. But I do think there's some women too who would love it.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I get not, not all men are the same. You know, We're all different quirks and personalities as well. And I get that. There's some men that might want to go into that ransom, but if you call it the. No, 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 <laughs> no.
2: Don't go there in today's society.
0: <laughs> yeah, we might be opening up a whole no, other kind no, no, of world. No. The
1: road
2: might be windy today. So I'm just it out. Yeah. No, let's yeah. stay on track. <laughs> But yeah, not all men would necessarily enjoy that. There may be more, some that are more meditative and.
1: Yeah, you know. We know men like that. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I, I embrace that, but it just became,
3: yeah, it, it
1: became all like that. That's the problem, you know? Mm.
3: Yeah. Finding your place. Yeah. yeah. Beside,
1: beside you.
2: Yeah. So. Go on. After
0: you, <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say. So, with uh, during the COVID, I don't even know if we can even say that word on uh, certain platforms. With the the last two years and the things we've been going through, um, you know, God says to you, "I want you to start a community yourself." Um, what was that like for you when He first asked you? Given you know you have this perspective on on things, uh, what was your initial, initial reaction?
2: I know how he told her. He said, "I will give you this land."
3: The ah, you've read that page. <laughs> well, the done. first line and the last I line. Read,
2: it probably was. <laughs> I read this in the book, um, Joanne. Do, before you do that, just just tell people about the book that you've written, which is a bit of your life, and then talk to us about this: how you started the church.
3: Yeah, um, the book is called "My Journey Back to the Shack," um, and it's a story of who God is and what, what He can do in a human heart. And I had a um, a tragedy happened to me when I was seven years old that I never told anybody not even my husband until just last year and that's it's the journey that I go on um with God that he's been with me my whole life and he challenged me to write a book and it was in writing the book that he then led me back to the shack in order he challenged me one day after I'd started writing and he said you can write the glossy version or you can tell the truth of who I am to you. So I had to close the computer down and go for a walk and really process that. Um, So that is, it's my, I've bared my heart and my deep intimate relationship that I have with Jesus and who he was to me all my life Um, and what he did in my life when he caught my heart as a 13 year old girl. And the woman I am today is because of my relationship with Jesus. And um, I think, yeah, so Uh, Probably 10, almost 11 years ago, um, when God called us to Afford, he gave me, I will give you the land your feet walk on. And I was just, the kids, one of the kids was in a buggy and I was walking and I heard those words as I was walking up to the school. And I said, Lord, are you moving us to Afford? And I had gone home, said nothing to Ricky. And a few nights later, um, you had said to me, what do you think about living in Afford? I couldn't believe it. I nearly fell off my seat. And then I obviously told um, what had happened to me. That's a whole journey of how we got there. You can read the book if you want to find the whole, the whole thing. That's the we'll first
1: put, are you plugging put, this book then?
3: <laughs> we'll put the link
2: below oh, to, so that in people the can find it in the description. Yeah, thank you. Um,
3: so how did I get from that to... Um, planting a church. We moved out here and fully expected God to leash, unleash us and effort We were going to plant a church and we, we knew it was on our hearts. We knew that's what He wanted us to do. but when we got here and the story of getting the house, um, what he said to us was was go out and let people know who you are. And that was part of being on the um, community council Ricky, Um, coached football, I taught swimming. It was very much, I worked in the local bistro. It was all he said, go out and let people know who Ricky and Juan are. And that for 10 years, that is what he said to us. We also started a youth cafe um, and how we got to there is in the book as well. And then just recently, um, he was starting to stir that it was time It was time, and now the 10 years make sense because people now know who we are because a lot of people in this village are very sporty, and Sunday morning is all about sport. Um, That's football or swimming um, or rugby, golf. golf. It is a very sporting village, so they're never going to come to church on a Sunday morning ever because sport is so important to them. And um, sport is you know, Ricky's a sportsman and it is key, you know, our children play sport and, um, you know, so God doesn't take something that you're good at. He doesn't take it away from you, you know? So we were like, well, how do we, how, what does church look like in a village? So if you're mentioning church to people, they have a preconceived idea that you're going to take away their sport and they're going to have to go to something in the morning because that's what's presented to them. So by God allowing us to spend 10 years getting known in the village, we're very well known for our faith. Um, And he allowed us to be able to come across a bridge so that they're meeting us, they're meeting our relationship with Jesus. So that when we do start something that in an evening We actually started doing Sunday Night at the Beans during lockdown where we started doing, um, filming, just little short clips of going into people's homes and sharing our faith and how we were coping through lockdown. And it just, it it suddenly just went mad. Everybody was asking us questions, people that we'd known for years. So it was, that was God's plan all along. We could have ignored him and planted and it wouldn't have worked. But now he's going now is the time. People know who you are. They're, you're not asking them to give up sport. You're asking them to find me. So mm-hmm. that's a lot. That's condensed. What so, the,
2: what, what does that look like at the minute?
3: Oh, uh, well,
1: at the minute, it's basically uh, because we've got more restrictions in place. At you have had to shut it down since probably oh, mid yeah. December because we can't have more than. Yeah. Uh, three three households and in, in the home, so we have kind of adhered to it. But normally on a Sunday, we do our uh, Sunday message uh, on a usual social media, like three, four minute clip from the previous, what we preached the previous week. And then we'll ask people to come along on the Sunday night. And we'll make, we've made it kind of, you know, uh, short and intentional as well. We might speak for like 15, 20 minutes. It's just a little bit of salt for people at the moment. And those who are around us are mature Christians. We often have a prayer meeting maybe through the week and a Thursday, just to fire everybody up. On the Sunday, we've made it really intentional that we are after we're after the lost out there. We're after the newbies, as it's called. So we we just want to because I'm an evangelist as well. That's maybe I'm pushing that kind of angle as well. But we've got pastors. We've got the fivefold ministry, and uh, we just believe that this is a new a new way. Of doing church where we're meant to be it might not work elsewhere but we live in a small village population three and a half four thousand so as joanne said over 10 years we've got to know them and they know what we stand for and you know you might want to tell the story of the lady that came to the door
3: you yeah, know there there was a lady and um, just before lockdown who was really struggling and she had had an encounter with god and she had emailed a couple of churches and nobody really got back to her and she knew off me um, and messaged me on facebook and i went and had coffee with her and she had had this whole encounter she was at rock bottom in her life um and she just knew if she messaged me i'd be able to answer her questions and she now comes along we've now baptized her and you know it was a whole year and a half of discipleship and just watching god move we didn't really do anything You know, God was moving in our life and we answered her questions. Um, and I think, yeah, I think it all started as well. You know, Ricky does a Friday message that's mainly for men on social media. He puts out every week he puts a Friday message out that's only about five minutes. And people can relate to him. People like the man that owns the garage, you know, will ask Ricky when he's up at the garage, oh, I liked what you said. What did you mean by that? How do you get these? How do you know what to say? And it's it's giving people they get to know it by being vulnerable and transparent. People feel that they can ask you questions because you're on their territory, you're in their land. Um, so they do they don't mind coming a few steps over your bridge to ask you a few questions. And it's and it's about building a way f- for them to find who God is. So it's introducing. That concept, instead of going, come to church, come to church, come to church, do what we do, we'll do what we do. You know, actually, God's got a plan for your life, and it's amazing. Do I find out what it is?
2: <laughs> yeah, we talk about um, the adventure yeah. of following Jesus. I think, I think the way we read the Bible—I mean, out loud. Um, we downplay it, you know. He he was beaten, he was flogged, he was. They were thrown into prison, and the doors opened. The angel came and got them out. Is it, is superhero number, goodness knows what. I mean, it's 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 not an easy adventure, and and you can die in the adventure.
0: But we just glance over those things. But really? we glance over
2: those things and don't stop and read them. And um, you know, I, I believe especially not. Just for men, but I think this emerging generation are looking yeah. for an adventure. They want an adventure, and we find that when we challenge them, they're up for it. Yes. They're up to give their lives for something. They're up to, even to death. They're up to go to the unreached and persecuted. Yes. They're up to go to the the most dangerous parts of this earth. They, but uh, we've got to get rid of the be careful concept. Yes. So,
0: yeah. So we talk about, you know. We need to start reintroducing the adventure.
2: Absolutely, absolutely. I'll bring it back to the adventure. What an adventure to leave heaven and come to this earth. That's an adventure for goodness' sake. Yes, sure. Yeah. Yeah.
0: yeah, yeah. Thank you, Joanne, Ricky. Really appreciate it. Oh, we'll uh, it's been her. great to to hear well, something. Oh, yeah. the dogs joining us. Yeah, the dogs joining us. What kind of dog is it?
3: She's a working
0: cocker. Ah. Uh, Thank you. Thank you so much. Yeah, thank Uh, you. It's been great to hear some of your story, to hear what you're doing. I know it's a lot for people to think about as well, is, uh, you know, in their communities, you know, how are we engaging with different people, different ages, different genders? How are we engaging them in the gospel? Um, And, you know, there is a great sense of adventure throughout. Let's not just glance over these things as we read it. Let's take time and really think about, you know, what might that have been like for them? Um, and how can we then use those stories to engage with other people Mm. Uh, so thank you thank you so much oh
3: thank you it's been lovely chatting to you i've loved it
0: thank you for listening to this episode if it inspired you please rate us and subscribe on apple or google podcasts spotify or another podcast platform